I was on I the uh, I was on the uh, uh, prime time fucking betting. Uh, yeah, the uh, prime time parlay, their daily show. And yeah. I was like, I was bringing the heat like I usually do. I was fired up, dude. I ended up going fucking. Uh, I ended up going three and I think it was three and one of my picks, and we hit our parlay. It was like. It was like six to one or something like that. We all had like we had four different picks for four different people that ended up hitting. So it was fucking it was fucking gas. It was so fun to be on. That's awesome. Did you see? I think my buddy at work told me. Did you hear about Des Bryant? That he like did some like insane like 14 leg parlay and fucking hit for I I want to say yeah, right, right? Like the one guy who doesn't need millions. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Puts fucking eight. Dude, all right, all right, yeah. Here you go, coach. Here you fucking go, coach Jack. I made this one easy on you. Bro, how about these fucking asshole fucking gambling accounts, right? Every, bro, every week, every week, we get DraftKings, we get fucking FanDuel, we get MGM. Don't forget, I I didn't forget about you idiots at ESPN Bet either. Dude, it's fucking every week, dude. Yo, look at this guy on our site that turned 10 cents into $10 million. He just bought the Taj Mahal after he put, after, after he had no money. It's like, dude. Can you post all the ones that lose? Like, you should have to post at least 10% of your losers to post one of those winners. And I guarantee, I guarantee people, like, they'll make half the money. Dude, why do you think, fuck, this makes me so mad. As somebody who's gambling before it was, like, mainstream. Dude, why do you think, oh, I'm fired up. Why do you think they're, they're, dude, every time you open the app, it's like, same game parlay boost, same game parlay boost, same game parlay X, same game parlay, same game parlay, same game parlay, 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 parlay. Why do you think they're advertising that? It's their highest margin product. It's their highest margin. Do you think they're like, hey, place a really safe, responsible bet right now? Like, no. They're going to be like, no. Here's an eight-leg parlay. All right, you're going to bet $100. All right, instead of betting the money line or instead of betting the spread, all right, how about this? Make make four $25, five same-game leg parlays, and none of them will fucking hit, and we'll get your whole 100 bucks instead of fucking making one safe play, one safe play, and doubling your money. Oh, my, it makes me so mad, bro. There's a reason. There's a Dude, all you fucking conspiracy theorists out there, like, oh, there's a reason they're pushing. They have an agenda. They have an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. What do you think the agenda of these fucking gambling companies are? It's to fucking make, make money. Make money. Make fucking money. Make money makers parlays. That's it. That's it. Bro, you think Mattress Mac is putting a million dollars on a fucking parlay? No. <laughs> Fuck, man. No, I agree with you. It's, it's it's insanity. I mean, I can tell you the amount of times that I've sat there and I've picked what should be the easiest shit for my parlays back when I was, like, really big into this stuff. And it's just, like, the dumbest thing will happen out of, like, the 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 blue where it's, like, I could do, like, the best odds for every pick where it's, like, oh, like, you know, back when like Brady was playing, it's like, oh, a hundred yards passing for Brady. Yep, put that on there. And it's like the one time I fucking do it, it's like he twists his toe and he's out and he throws for like 90 yards. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like that kind of shit, yeah. like always seems to happen. But like no, on top of that, too, it's just it's crazy. Now, too. Oh, yeah. Dude, people. All right, dude. Now we're getting now we're getting in. Dude, this is fuck. <laughs> this is pissing me off. Hey, all right. Let's do it. Let's, I'm going to carry this right into the fucking episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's the Breaking the Plane podcast, episode number 20. We are playing injured here. We are the hospital uh, We are the hospital Celtics, as I, I like to call us. We're down Burge. We're down Kojak. I'm fired up before the fucking episode even starts. I'm going to fucking cut in the fucking music right, right in the middle of my fucking rant. Anyway, Hogan, my cohort, 
my second amigo, my only amigo. How are you tonight, buddy? Oh, I'm fantastic. I'm I'm even better that I got you all riled up, ready to go within ten seconds of talking to you. I was I was we were we were talking about what we were going to talk about tonight, and goddamn, usually I'm the one that gets Burge going, but Joe, I got the juices flowing with you over there. Let's let's get into it, baby. Dude, it just pisses me, bro. First of all, everything pisses me off. But second of all, <laughs> like the bastardization of every, like everything is bastardized. Nothing, nothing works. Everything's fucked up. Everything's slow. Everything you gotta call five times. People cancel shit. There's just everything just fucking sucks. It's all broken. It's all dumb. It's all nothing works, dude. And then it brings us back to the gambling thing, bro. Bro. You have all of these prop bets, right? That's the huge thing in the NBA now, right? Dude, there's fucking every spread in the NBA now is fucking six, seven, eight points because of how there's fucking have and have. There's no middle class in the NBA anymore. It's have and have nots in the NBA. It's like ancient Rome. If you're a fucking, you're, you're Julius Caesar or you live in a fucking straw hut. There's no fucking in between. So the, the, prop, the prop culture in the NBA is fucking huge. You know who, you know who controls the fucking stats? The fucking NBA. Dude, they control the stats. They control how much, if what's an assist, what what a rebound, what a team rebound versus a chase down rebound. Dude, they have the control over this stuff, and they're all in bed. Dude, fucking DraftKings is plastered all over every stadium. Dude, this is all gross. It's all grimy. It's all incestual. And if you think that it's all above board, you're out of your fucking. You're out of your fucking. Dude, LeBron James has a sponsored betting segment on his Instagram. Are you fucking kidding me? The best player, the the face of the NBA. All right. Well, yeah. The face of the fucking NBA. The face of the modern renaissance of the NBA is in bed, legitimately taking money, taking a paycheck from a gambling website. What are we doing here? It's it's insanity. I, mean, I agree with you 100% on that, where it's just like, I knew from the day that sports uh, gambling was like legalized, especially in the terms that they did it to to just start, like you said, plaster it all over the place and just shove it in these players and everybody's faces the way that they do. And then to turn around and expect not a single person to pick up their phone and be like, yep, let me throw down this little uh, parlay and see what I can hit on. It's just like you're seeing guys get pinched left and right for it now. And you're 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 seeing, you know, some decent players take the knocks for it. I mean, what was that, that kid from Detroit? Right. Didn't he get suspended for his first year? Uh, was that Will, James James Williams yeah. or something? Dude, he got popped twice and then fucking Calvin Ridley got popped. Yeah. And yeah, then. That's- it was uh, somebody booty. else, bro. Booty yeah. for the Pats. Yeah, he... fucking booty was when he was hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Dude. right? And when he and dude, the worst part about him is when he was in LSU, he was betting on himself to win and score touchdowns, and then they showed the like highlights from that, and he didn't do jack shit in One those eight yards. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I guess if there's car. if there's karma, that's karma for you right there. That was beautiful to see. I could I couldn't help but laugh at that one. Bro, I think you should be able to bet on yourself. Like, why can't you, dude? If you if you are affecting the outcome of the game, that's different. But like, dude, if you're a fucking wide receiver and you're like, fuck, I'm gonna bet myself over 59 and a half yards, like what's wrong with that? I guess you can say that like if you see, like, let's say you're not, maybe you're a second or third wide receiver and you think a team is gonna cover your number one this way, and your whole fucking game plan is to get you the ball more and you like you bet you're over on fucking you bet like a prop over on like your receptions or whatever like that. Like that's that's definitely insider trading. You know what I mean? But like, I don't know, like this fucking asshole that bet him on bet on a streaker at the Super Bowl and then jumped on the field. Yeah. Like, this yeah, dude makes a yeah. shitload of money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
first of all, who the fuck? Why did you tell it? First of all, they're taking that money. That guy, <laughs> like, I don't. I, it was like a, it was a feel good story on Twitter, but they're fucking taking that money. Like yep. This is America, yep. brother. You're, they're taking that fucking money, bud. <laughs> and second of all, why, like, why did you tell anybody, bro? Why did you tell anyone, bro? You don't tell anybody, bro. You had, you had the make, you had the fucking, yo, dude, think about it. What is it? Like a $1,500, $2,000 investment. You go, you wait, you scalp a ticket to the game. I think you can go, I think the get in price was under two grand this year. So you yeah, scalp gold, like a twenty five hundred. Yeah, you scalp a twenty five hundred dollar ticket, and then you take another twenty five hundred dollars and you put that on your dumbass prop. And then, bro, three minutes into the game, strip down to your skivvies, get down to the front row, let it hang, and go to the fifty yard line. Like it's 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 simple math. But you don't fucking you don't go to the bar after and start bragging to all the fucking honeys and yo yo I just won this bet because I went on the field. Look at that ass. That's me. Like yep. that's dude, loose lips sink ships, bro. You're, you're you're getting your money taken. That's it. And like I said, and it goes back to like we were talking about with the players too. Is just, I guess it, you bring up an interesting point though in in the whole betting on yourself thing because a big part of me thinks that would be a really cool concept, but at the same time, it's such a difficult thing to police in terms like of the over under stuff because. Then you're then you're playing a dangerous game. Like I like at the end of the day, if like if I'm a, a wide receiver that's like phenomenal, like you know, like let's say you know Antonio Brown at the top of his game before he went cuckoo crazy. Like if he was gonna sit there and bet on himself to like get a 200 yards receiving, like I could say yeah, absolutely, like let him bet on that because he has a chance of doing it. But also like he's going for that. Like he's not gonna intentionally drop a ball or fall down at the you know five yard line to get 199 yards. Or, you know. That whole situation for me is like, if you if you're betting on the over or you're betting on yourself to win, I can see that working out. But it's such a difficult thing to police when it goes the opposite way. But at the same time, I, I don't know. It it can't really go the other way, right? Because you got players that, you know, they alter the outcome of games, but they're always trying to win. I feel like, and unless it's like blatantly obvious, like I, I can see the refs, obviously with the, with the whole scandal in the NBA with, oh, yeah. uh, Let's, you know, we, all that we'll crap. We'll get to Burge but... and the referees in a minute. Oh, that, Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, Oh, we got to tickle that fancy. Now? Oh, let's, let's do no, it. Keep, let's no, do... keep talking. I got to Okay. Right. Keep talking. No worries. No worries. No keep worries. Talking about how fuck, fuck DraftKings. Keep talking. <laughs> Your thoughts. <laughs> it's no, it's, that's it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad because, I think that the whole sports gambling thing, there's a place for it. There's absolutely a place for it. Um, for the common folk, us watching the games and stuff, it's it's a blast to do, a chance to turn, like you said, five cents into a million dollars, which, you know, granted, if it happens, it happens, and that'd be amazing. I don't think it'll ever happen for me. Um, but it's the same thing as winning, you know, grabbing a winning lottery ticket where you're not sure. I just, I think it's a little bit better odds, obviously. But in terms of the the players themselves, though, it's it's such a dangerous game to play because you never know who could be into some debauchery bullshit behind the scenes where it's just you know yeah you can bet you can sit there and a player could be like oh i'm gonna bet on myself i'm gonna you know the kicker hey game winning field goal ready to go i bet uh, on myself to make this kickers, dude. I, I i made a bet that i'm gonna make this game winning field goal but behind the scenes he's got like a second cousin removed or some bullshit that he gave. He slid like $10 million in an envelope to being like, Hey, we're going to fucking blow this game. Watch what happens. I, 
will it happen? I don't know. I, I can't say it will, but at the same time, it's happened in the past. You know, look at, I mean, we're going dating ourselves really far here. Was it Chicago, the, mm. the, the baseball team back in like the 19, early 1900s? That, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that whole con- conspiracy that, that blew the, the, the thing wide open that people are all about like, oh shit, throwing games is a real fucking thing. And it's, it's, especially with sports gambling. Now, you never know. Like, I find it really hard to look at some games now. And maybe the NFL, I'm kind of, I don't want to say like, it's rigged because I know that you got your conspiracy theorists. I mean, there's there's definitely times where I'm like, okay, that's that's sided. more with the refs. The refs could definitely do it more there. But like, dude, yeah. the NBA, bro, there's only fucking yes. ten players on the court, and yep. two of them have the ball ninety percent of the time, one for each team. You know what I mean? So like, that's if you it. got, bro, imagine if you got a player like Luca or like Giannis, mm. one of those high usage players to like flip. You could do whatever, dude. They even that whole thing about Tim Donahue. First of all, first of all, they did that whole fucking thing about Tim Donahue, and one of those fucking guys that was in that fucking documentary still refs in the NBA, bro. Yep. What are we doing? How fucked is that? Whatever. All right, I gotta. I have veins popping out of my head. I had a talk with my doctor about some fish oil fucking pills because of fucking my blood pressure. So we're gonna get to Burge. Let's do it. As you may know, he's not on this episode tonight. Um. And our hearts are with him um, and his family in this time. Um, I'm going to play something for Bursch. Cue it up. Just fine, he's just fucking sick. Um, buddy, yeah, I was gonna say, he's not dead, he's not dead. <laughs> I Please, was thinking, I was like, I was like, I kind of led this off a little heavy, I might have to fucking bring this home right after the fucking Sarah McLaughlin song. Anyway, our buddy Burge, he's blowing chunks, dude. He was, he thought, he thought he was getting out of there, fucking unscathed. That fucking triage unit over in fucking the, the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, dude. They, you fucking, I think it ran through his wife, his three boys. And then I think he thought he was out of it. And then he woke up this morning fucking yuking. Absolute yuking. So, Burge, we love you, buddy. We miss you all. We, we miss you as always. They're going to have to deal with me as host for another week. But uh, we miss you, buddy. Get well soon. It's all good. It's all good. I, it's funny, too, because I talked to him last night, and he seemed like he was crystal clear. And then when he messaged us today saying he barely made it to the bathroom, I was just like, oh, boy, I can't wait to talk about this on the pod tonight. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about him blowing chunks and barely making it to the bathroom. So, Oh, fucking Captain you, Hardass. <laughs> Captain Hardass finally fucking going down. Yeah. Yep. Going down with the ship. Hey, every captain's got to do it at some point. See you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you ever seen that? Yeah. Dude, I used to I used to watch a lot of uh the fucking uh the Alaskan kid crab fishermen, those fucking those fucking crazy fucks. Oh Bro. my god, insane. And dude, there's this one <laughs> there's this one video of the, the fucking boats getting tossed around, right? Boats getting tossed around, and they just pan to the deck where the captain is, and bro, the captain is just fucking <laughs> down one end of the cabin to the other end of the cabin and you just see the fucking captain 
fucking tumbling by the fucking camera, dude. I, I'll never forget that. I thought that it's like they, they ended up being fine, which is what makes it funny. But like it was just so funny. They fucking they fucking panned to the cab they panned to the cabin and you just see the captain just rolling around. Nobody's at the helm. Nobody's at the helm. Nobody's got the fucking wheel. Nothing, dude. Everybody every man for themselves. It's funny as we, fuck. We we gotta see if we can find that clip and somehow Photoshop Burgess's face on the captain for that one so that way we can get <laughs> send it to him. Just so he doesn't feel left out. You get the kids fucking flying around in the background, dude. Oh my god, that must what it be like. That must what it be like to be like a parent. Like your kids are the ones, like the kids are the ones, like working the deck and like doing all. Oh shit, the fucking boats floating and going in the right direction. We must be doing great. And then you just pan to the cabin. It's like the parents in charge. Like we got no idea what's going on. Fuck. Uh, anyways, I mean, that's what's being an adult like. Remember, like, seeing somebody, like, when you're younger, you're, like, some kid that was 30, you're like, oh, fuck, dude, he's got to figure it out. Now that I'm 30, I'm like, dude, who, when, when does adulting start, and when do I have it figured out? Oh, trust me, it get, it only gets worse. That's, that's the sad part, is, like, I, I used to look at adults and be like, wow, you know everything, and then, like, I got to, like, their age, and I'm just like, I don't know shit about anything. No. Like, what is, what is happening? What is happening I don't right know shit now? I about piss, bro. I don't know nothing. <laughs> Dude, it's so quintessential, bro. So I, I bought, we bought a home and we moved. And dude, we were homeowners for a fucking hour. We were here for an hour. We dog went through the screen, the side of the screen porch. Oh, I no. clogged the toilet. And an hour is generous. Thirty-five minutes, forty minutes. It was. I was at Home Depot buying a plunger and screen in like forty minutes of being at the fucking house. It was unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, it's I like, would. Who take has to that. figure it out? Not me. I would take that because I little quick story about when I bought my home, the first day we moved in, the, uh, the previous owners were nice enough that they left a lot of like appliances and stuff for us. So the, the fridge, they left the fridge there and they were like, yeah, it works great. Everything's good. Like we were planning on replacing it at some point, but it was like, okay, we got a fridge that we can use at least for, you know, a while wife and I go out and we get probably like close to like three or $400 worth of groceries. And this is back in, this is back in 2017. So inflation hadn't kicked in yet. You know, that was a shit ton of groceries. Um, We, we packed that thing as tight as you can get with as much food as you can get. Woke up the next morning. The fridge was fucking dead. We had to throw out all the food. Oh my God, bro. So trust me. I, I know they leave all a forwarding about address because I would be hiding oh. in their ceiling when they got home, dude. <laughs> I, I would have it. I would have I, the fucking you know how they string the anvil up in like the fucking cartoons. I would have that that refrigerator strung up in their new fucking garage. And as soon as they got out of their car, I would smush them with it. Oh, I, I thought about it. Trust me. I was I was so, so upset about that. But hey, that's unbelievable. It's all right. I got hey, we got a new fridge a lot sooner than we planned on, and I got brand new groceries <laughs> within another day. So you gotta take what you get. That's all. Dude, buying shit's fun, but like spending money isn't. I don't know how to that correlation has never fucking made sense to me. Dude, we were dude, I fucking hate shopping, dude. But I'll get my wife in here and tell her, bro. My mom, when I was younger, bro, my mom used to have to trick me. She'd be like, Hey, we're going to she used to have to she used to have to there was a certain grocery store she used to go to because it was next to this fucking toy store. She'd be like, We're going to the toy store. Walk right past the toy store, go into Market Basket, yep. wherever the fuck it was. And I yep. used to fucking lose my mind. I still hate it now, dude. I fucking hate shopping. Dude, we went furniture shopping today. Bro, I had, or yesterday, I had a good time. I did, That was fun, dude. It was, <laughs> was kind of, I had, I let, now, I, I, let my, I let my creative juices flow. Now you know you're getting old when you're saying furniture shopping's fun. That's, that's yeah, when exactly. you got to just pack it in and get ready to go to the senior home because you're fucked. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I bought a 75-inch TV, though. The thing's there you go. Sick. That's fucking sick. That's I bought some fucking Air Monarchs. I bought a fucking... I bought a fucking electric lawnmower and I bought a fucking 75 inch TV. And that's all you need. And it was, I cannot, I cannot be more happy. Anyway. All right. Let's talk some, let's talk some football. Let's get into it. Let's I was going to say on that, on that 75 inch TV, are you going to be watching the combine on that baby or what's going on? Dude, I'm going to watch so much football on that thing. It's going to be fucking awful. They're going to, they're going to come to my house and arrest me for how much football I watch on that TV. They're like, sir, leave some football for somebody else. All right. Real quick before we get into the, uh, real quick before we get into the, uh, the combine here, we'll sneak in a quick segment that we do from time to time. It's called What You Sipping. Uh, it should be quick tonight because it's just Hogan and I. So what I'm sipping on tonight is I have the oldest, the original and the oldest American lager. Which is the Yingling traditional lager? I think it's the oldest brewery in the United States and the oldest like continuously brewed beer in the United States. So I believe so. I'm not, honestly, I'm, I've never been the biggest fan, but uh, my buddy Daigle, shout out Daigle, he'll be on the podcast soon. Um, bought these and left them here when they helped me move in, and um, haven't had a tough time taking them down. <laughs> what do you got over there, Hogan? I got me uh, a nice and simple. Bud Latte, your uh, your classic sponsor, yeah, yeah, classic sponsor of the uh, the current NFL. You know, you got your what Peyton commercials with it, and Emmett Smith and everybody. So here's to the the legends that you know are are reaping the rewards of the Anheuser Busch name. So I can't cheers. wait to see what Shane Gillis comes up with to promote Bud Light. But that's uh, true. Dude, I did see. I did see that. Every time uh, Shane Gillis is the best. I won't go into him, but uh, he's funny. The I I remember like one of the first commercials I remember is the what's up? Yep, Bud Light yep. commercial. Anyway, uh, they need to bring I, back the originals real quick. Can we get off on a sidebar on that? We they need to bring back the iguanas. Just like dude, frogs. just like fucking uh, just like uh, Coors brought back the Love Train and they had yes. what's his name driving it. I thought LL that was cool a fucking J. great commercial. Yes, yes, they yeah. they need to go back to the frogs. Give me the iguanas. Give me like Clydesdales <laughs> nonstop yes, and give me dude. like the pure fun. What's up? Like everything. Like go. Can we just go back to the 90s or like early 2000s know, at least? That's dude, that's I where know. we're at. Those are like my first memories is like anywhere from like I have memories from like 98, 99 through like 2001 and two that are like my formative like, dude. And that was such like a wild fucking dude. We are so off topic, but that's such a wild time, dude. Like you have cell phones, the Internet, everything Everything that is molding today's like everything that is molding today, it had, was like kind of like coming of age at that point. And then somebody flew a plane into the World Trade Center, like right after all of that. So yeah. like, it's a, what a wild! What? How old are you? What? What, what year were you born? Uh, I was in. I was born eighty nine, so I was twelve okay. in two thousand one. Okay. Okay. So I was. I was. I was seven. I was in second grade. And I remember yep. I was going to Disney World like right after, like the first time I ever flew was literally 10 days after 9-11 out of Logan to go to Disney World. So it's like, you know what I mean? Those are like the, like the yeah. first time I ever flew was post 9-11. You know what I mean? So that's like, yep. the, I don't know, whatever. We're way off fucking topic. We're way, we're, hey, we're having a great time though. That's all I know. So let's you know what going. fucking Osama bin Laden didn't fucking kill? Football. All right. That's right. He fucking, that's right. Two weekends later, Joe Andrews, fucking ran on the field with a giant fucking American flag, and we played some goddamn football. So that, that brings amazing. me to my next point. NFL Combine's coming up. 
So I want to get into a couple of things here. Uh, I want to get into some just some quick hits from the combine from the players itself. Um, and then I want to get into some Patriots specific stuff because uh, obviously everybody who's listening to this podcast knows where our affiliations lie. I uh, don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but you might want to you might be seeing a little bit more Patriots heavy content coming out of us. But that's uh, that's still in the works. So spoiler, um, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> all I do is spoil shit, dude. I just make everything okay. worse. Um, <laughs> no, first thing, first things first. I want to get to Marvin Harrison Jr. Not participating in the combine, doesn't have an agent, and isn't talking to any teams whatsoever. Isn't doing anything. And I think this is the perfect example of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm right on. I'm right on board with you. Uh, it's. It's one of those things where it, there's so much that goes into. I, I don't want to get off track again because I'm. I feel like I'm going to go down the gambling road again, where there's the, the debauchery Fuck again. Dude, there's that, no that can, rails here. We're basically a side by side, just ripping through the woods right now. There's no rails. But no, it, it goes exactly into what we're talking about with the whole sports betting thing, where it's like there's so much debauchery in the combine leading up to the draft leading to free agency it is such like we, we talked about the whole social media the internet everything we are so fucked in this society now where everything is so instantaneous that you don't know what to believe anymore mm. so i i want to go out on a limb and say that i think marvin harrison jr is probably doing the best thing he can fucking do for himself because at this point if he's not talking to anybody nobody's seeing him show up and doing his thing they saw his play at ohio state the everybody knows what the kid can do and if, if you don't, that's shame on you for not watching him in college because he was a phenomenal college football player. But by not taking himself and putting himself in situations where he could either A, look bad, or B, screw himself up to a specific client or somebody, like in terms of like a team that he wants to go to, but yet he drops the ball by like saying the wrong thing to them or whatever. This is a great play by the kid, as far as I'm concerned, that he, he can't do wrong by not doing anything wrong. That, that's where we're at. Yeah. And I think that I, I just thought about this when you were saying that about how like saying the wrong thing, the wrong person, you know what? I just figured out, dude, the only thing that's going to affect his draft stock. If he goes to the combine is if he gets hurt, that's it. Like he's not going to, he's not going to rise or fall out of the top five. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like the lowest he'll ever go is five and he could go number one, depending on how that shakes out with the bears and how they want to manage their assets. I mean, the I could totally thing... see the bears being like, yo, we manipulated the draft yeah. last year. We're going to stick it out with, we don't, we don't, we're going to stick it out with Justin Fields. We think Justin Fields is just as, just as ready to win as Caleb Williams is. And then he's like, and they add Marvin Harrison to their like receiver core right now. Like I could totally see that happening. So it's like, all he can do is get hurt and fuck himself. Because if he fucking tears his ACL now, then he's not ready. He's barely ready for the fucking second half of the year. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I feel like it's, it, this is gonna is it's you have people pulling out of bowl games and you have people yeah. pulling out of like shit like this. So it's I think it's gonna get more prevalent. It's it's getting hurt, and then it's also if if somebody's able to actually find dirt on the kid that you know, something comes to light that obviously we didn't know about previously or something that happened in college or even pre pre college or whatever, just because you see that sometimes, obviously, again, I, I'm beating a dead horse, but going back to like the social media stuff, like I, I, I want to say, wasn't there like a quarterback or something like a couple of years ago that like a bunch of racist tweets like came out like during the, the draft or right before the draft. And wait, wasn't it just Miss Trubisky saying he loves kissing titties? So, it it might have been him. I'm trying to remember, but Somebody's like I want to say it's Will Levis too. 
yeah, that's kind of could have he could have been another one. Nice. I could see that. His name out there like that. I'm sorry, Will Levis. Just come on the pod. I mean, I don't think you're it's, racist. Just, just come on the pod. That's fine. We don't think you're racist. <laughs> we're, just, we're not insinuating anything. We're just we're we're, we're spitballing here. Um, but no, like I go back to like I remember uh, what was it, Lil Collins, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. No, yes, Josh sorry, Allen, I had right? to look this up. Yes, because okay. he's like, yeah, he made some pretty. Um, Let's, like borderline, yeah. right? Borderline. Yeah, no, yeah, no, but racist, racist. <laughs> yeah, he said I, some I, racist things. I didn't you know want to say it. <laughs> no, the bar. Let's. I don't want to be that fucking guy. The bar has moved quite a okay. lot. Yeah, and that's true. What he said was not acceptable before or after that bar was moved. Let's just that put it makes out. sense. Okay, but no, but like I was saying with Lil Collins, that that tackle that was coming out. I think he was in LSU at the time. Okay, yeah. Um, he Collins, was he right? was he was projected to be. I I want to say he was going to be a top five pick or at least top ten because he was considered the best lineman coming out that year. And then it was like the whole. Um, and again, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but I think he got falsely accused of rape or or something really bad that everybody. Wasn't that Carter? Either... No, that was no. no it was, yeah. it was, was it Collins. Collins? Yeah, it was either it was either rape or he like beat up his girlfriend or or something that just was like obviously horrific if it was true. Um, but he and I remember I I, I want to say he didn't get drafted, and then it came out afterwards that he um, didn't do it and he was like innocent. Um, and then he signed on. I think it was like the Cowboys took him for like a huge signing or something like that. And I remember at the time I was hoping the Pats would make a play on him because they were talking about the Patriots trying to scoop him up at some point, but. It's just it's it's things like that. You just you have to be extremely careful on top of everything, too, because like that's that's another part with like Marvin Harrison where, yeah, again, you can't do anything wrong if you don't do anything wrong. But you can also do something wrong if you don't do anything, because all it takes is one person that is an associate of you to throw you under the bus or try and drag your your name through the mud. And that could be the end of it. I mean, granted, like I said, I still think he's going to be a top five pick. There's no doubt in my mind about that unless something out of left field just comes out and just destroys his name and image and likeness. That's, that's the oh, only what thing. What about fucking um, Laramie Tunsil with the fucking gas mask? Yeah. The first weed, of all, right? first of all, yeah. talk about a ter- terrifying way to fucking in- ingest fucking marijuana. I don't understand that in the slightest, but to each their own. Like, <laughs> let me, let me cosplay like a world war one, like trench soldier while I get baked. Like, how yeah. is that calming? Like, what are you doing after coming out of the gas mask? Just like wicked high. Like, I, 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 guess. I, I, actually I tell does, you. <laughs> first of all, I've done it. I've done it. And it is, it does get you, it does get you there, but it is a little bit of, you know, ever like be like, like, come on. Like you can just like smoke a joint. Like it's like, I don't know. I'm getting old. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., I think he's the classic, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, you've already got it. Like, dude, and I think, isn't Caleb, Caleb Williams isn't throwing, but he's, like, going and meeting with teams and taking, like, the tests and all that shit. So, I could also see, Caleb Williams, like, the only thing he can do is get better in those categories. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a good strategy by him as well, because I think his physical talents are obvious. You know what I mean? decision making and how it's going to work at the NFL level aside but the the physical attributes are there but getting him in a room one on one i think that's like a huge thing that the especially the top 3 teams or the top like 10 teams who can move up to get there really want to get him and like screw like tighten the screws on him and see what the fuck he says in a one on one interview what do you think about that I, I I yeah I agree because the big thing with Caleb Williams and and I'm on record on this podcast is how, how much I distrust him and I don't like him and I don't think he's 
you know, going to be, I mean, he could he be a generational talent? Maybe at the same time, I don't think he's going to be, but for me, it's, he's got to prove himself. I think a lot because of what transpired during his, his last year in college. I mean, everybody knows about the Heisman year and what he's capable of doing. And he proved, um, a lot of people right by the crap that he pulled this year uh, with everything that, that fell apart with USC. I mean, USC was supposed to be uh, the top like five, top three team going into preseason. And I think they finished what, like seven and five, I think was their final record. Yeah. And, it was Notre like, Dame, and it's like the Notre Dame game too, is like the one that everybody points to. Well, that, and that's it. But like, if you look at the, the, I think it was the bowl game that USC played in. I remember seeing the highlights from that where the, the, the players were running off the field, like after scoring touchdowns and stuff being like, we're a team now. We're a team now. And yeah, it was didn't like, the fucking didn't shot. the didn't the second string QB light it up in the bowl game too? That's yeah. like the whole point. Yeah, yeah, and that's and he and like that, went into the stands and like cried with his mom like after one of the losses. And, it's that, just like, and that's exactly it. It's just the, the the red flags are all over the place with that kid. And I think the only thing draft wise for him is should he go number one if the the Bears need to want a QB and take a QB, he should go number one. But I think the problem with him at this point is he's got so many red flags and question marks that it's not a clear cut number one choice for the Bears anymore. Where if you looked at like Peyton Manning coming out of college, right? Like he was surefire, number one pick, no issues. Like he was going to be generational. Andrew Luck was another one. Like all these guys that turned into like what they wanted to be where you looked at, you know, Jamarcus Russell, he had huge question marks on him coming out of college because he had the one decent game in that I think was that like the Fiesta Bowl, whatever LSU played in. And then look what he turned into because he was such a douchebag. Mm. Like all the all the talent was there, but mentally and red flags everywhere just were ignored by all because it was like, hey, he had that one game and we're gonna put all our freaking eggs in that basket and just it blew up in their face. Yeah, I, I kind of like I have a late developing take here. Um, he's doing this because he doesn't want to go to the Bears. He's meeting. He's going to. He's Ooh. going because, dude. If you think about it, yeah. the yeah. Bears don't need to meet with him. You know what I mean? They don't mm. like. There's. They already have the number one pick. If they want to use it on him, or if they don't, I don't think one interview might change that. But I do think teams that want to trade up and go get him want to talk to him. Yeah. Before that, they give up all the assets to go get him, because I mean they've already it's already been floated that he doesn't want to play in Chicago. So if Chicago kind of knows. I don't know. I think I think everybody's kind of shown. I think I think Washington wants him. I think Washington might be willing to flip flop, and I think they. I don't know if they're willing to call Chicago's bluff, but they hired fucking what's his name, who is King, his Kingsbury, uh, Kingsbury, who is his coach during the MVP season. So. I don't know, man. I think I think he's taking those interviews to be more appealing to other teams. So there's more of a chance that somebody goes up and gives up a haul for that number one pick. Yeah, it's definitely a potential. I guess the big question at this point, though, is if Caleb doesn't go number one, who's going number one? Because we got, I mean, like I said, we talked about Mark. I, I, dude, I think before. that I think there's a possibility right? that yeah, I think there's a possibility that if nobody wants to give up the King's ransom for to Chicago, do you, do they pick Marvin Harrison Jr. one? I mean, can it would it be wrong? They they could use a guy outside of uh, DJ Moore, right? I mean, that's well. Other than those, other than those two guys, we agree that there's nobody else who could possibly go number one. 
They're not going to choose one of the quarterbacks over Caleb Williams at one. No, no, because Drake May, I mean, I, everybody's talking about him, but he he's very like that second or third tier behind like yeah. Caleb Williams and Marvin yeah. um, Harrison. So it's, yeah, I, I can't see, unless it's somebody out of left field that just nobody knows about that. I mean, another, uh, what, 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 what I'm trying to think of that. Demario what was it? When, well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Bush. That and was, then who was it the other year with the fucking uh, the motherfucking uh, the Jaguars? Was it? Wasn't the Jaguars had like a weird first round pick? They thought they were going one way and they went the other way. Anyway, like play it when they take like Blake Bortles or something. That was I don't know. There's a whole lot of guy. teams that do dumb. Talk things. about it. Talk about a career I envy, dude. Just enough success <laughs> to be like, oh, that guy didn't suck, but like yeah. not enough success where like, oh, come play backup for forty years. He's like, I got one good contract. I fucking stacked my money, and now I'm good. You know Matt Flynn, like, that's perfect. Matt Flynn and Charlie Whitehurst are my heroes. It's just Charlie, dude. Charlie, remember the Matt Flynn versus the Patriots game? Remember that shit, dude? Yep. Anyway, yep. It was that game, and um, and real quick, that Detroit game where he threw six touchdowns. He got paid, I think, it was like oh, fifty million, fifty yeah, million dude. for by Seattle. Yeah. Didn't play then, a fucking down for him. Who was the motherfucker? Down. Who was the motherfucker for the uh, Bucks that went to the Bears and got paid? Oh, Mike Glennon. Remember Mike yes. Glennon had like four good yep. games at the end of like a season, and the Bears were like, "Fuck it, give him the bag." But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what. Dude, me and all the boys were talking in the group chat today about how we could go back to the 20s and like dominate whatever sport we wanted to, which is like a, an argument for a different day. It's an <laughs> argument for a different day. If you brought our knowledge and our bodies straight mm. from here back then and we could like complete a forward pass, like people would people would go nuts. Be honest. Yep. But if we had to go back and like play like at their speed, yeah, no, no chance. Those are professional athletes for a reason. Exactly. Um anyway. So speaking of Matt Flynn against the Patriots, let's get into some uh, – I want to get into some of the quotes that came out of uh, some of the media availability at the Combine, specifically from uh, Patriots' new quasi-GM, Elliot Wolf. I have uh, two quotes here. We'll start with the first one. Obviously, we'll go to the second one after, and then I want to get your take on both of them. Yep. So this first one I think pertains to kind of what we were just talking about where uh, uh, quarterbacks in that top pick, right? Yep. So his, his quote was, Body language on the field is very important at that position, talking about quarterback. You don't want a guy that's throwing up his hands after every bad play, or you can see him physically pointing at someone. So this is like, there's no, you have to be fucking blind to not be able to read between the lines here. Is That is a direct shot at Mac Jones. That is a, we have a quarterback with poor body language, and we need to fucking stop. And as someone who has demonstrates poor body language at some points in time, it is a very, very hard thing to coach or to to try to like get out of somebody's fabric. I think that how much everybody has body bad body language sometimes, but how much it's on display and how easy it is to be triggered, I think is a uh, thing that can't be taught. It's uh, it comes down to adversity. It comes down to adversity. Um, I'll, I'll die on that hill a thousand times over. And I think <clears throat> what I've talked about before in terms of Mac Jones is that he never faced adversity until he got to the NFL. If you, if you look at his football career, um, I, I, I again, I'm I spitballing a little bit here, but I believe he didn't lose a game when he was in high school. I think they won like yeah, the, he, he, he did a, whatever the he didn't lose the he didn't, as a starter until he got to uh, the so, Patriots and lost their first fucking game. And that's it. So that tells you 
nothing about the kid that you're expecting to be your leader because all he knows is winning. Mm-hmm. And he showed his true colors, especially after that first year where, yeah, they went 10 and seven, they went to the playoffs and everything was hunky dory. And we thought we were on the next, you know, ride for another dynasty or something, which obviously fell apart immediately when McDaniels left and we put a defensive coordinator in charge of the offense. Anyway, that it showed his true colors when he started to get freaking out because he didn't believe in the system that he was put in and he was being thrown into adverse situations where he's not used to losing and he's used to being surrounded by the best of the best. When he was in Alabama, he had three receivers that all I, I want to I think they all went in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. He had what? Devontae yeah, Smith. Waddle, they had Waddle and Devontae Smith at the same time. That's all you really need to fucking know. Both and then didn't they have? And he had Rugs too, right? Before yeah, he Henry went, Ruggs. You know. And then um, there was one other one. Was it Jamison Williams? It might have been. Yeah, it, it might have been. I, I think it was again, Jamison Williams. Again, that's that's proven my point for me right there. Is you are surrounded by the top tier talent of college, which is fine you're going to be the best in college. When you get to the NFL, everybody's the best. And if you can't learn to take a punch and roll with the, the, the swings of the NFL, you're not going to make it. And that's why I think Wolf had to throw out this quote to, to prove that point to Jones that it's like, Hey, either shape up or ship the fuck out because you're not going to get away with that crap anymore on the field. I just think it's fucking, if you have to fucking call out this asshole at fucking media day at fucking the combine, and like do it this way instead of addressing him. So, so this comment obviously comes. First of all, hold on. I wanted to disagree with you for a second. Yeah, because disagreement is always fun. <laughs> you don't think that all the shit that he went through, uh, fighting for the job and not getting the job until he was a fifty-year senior at Alabama, was any adversity? No, because he was. He did the best go. Player. He did go four. He did go four full football seasons in between starting a football game. Because he wasn't the best player for the job, and I think he knew that. And I think they turned to him. Finally, it was his turn. He Because we had Jalen Hurts in front of him. He had Tua in front of him. Yeah, it was Jalen Hurts guys. started for two years, and then he Tua, Tua took over that third, the end of that second year, into the third yeah. year, and then he started the fourth year. And I think he I don't, for regardless. Regardless, it, 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 there was an adversity. that You know who had adversity in college was Tom Brady. Why? Because he split time with Drew fucking Henson at Michigan. The greatest quarterback of all time split time in college with a no-name shit bum that didn't do anything in the NFL. That was adversity. That showed Brady, hey, you're not good enough. Get better so you are the starter. So you are the guy. And then when he got his chance in the NFL, he took it and he fucking ran. Mac Jones was given the keys to the fucking kingdom because we all saw what Cam Newton did the one transition year between Brady and Mac that Cam couldn't do anything. And granted, maybe the offense wasn't the best. Mac got there. They spent the money they did in free agency with Bourne, Smith, Henry, Aguilar, all those guys. Granted, they're not superstars, but they spent the money. They tried to load him up with talent. And the best he could do was a blowout in the playoffs against uh, Buffalo and then to turn into the little crybaby asshole that he became in year two. No. He never went through adversity until he made it to the Patriots and he showed his true colors. That's that's my take on that. Yeah. No, I, it's it's hard to I just I, that's what I I was a Mac defender for a while and I do think that this is a classic situation of 
everybody did wrong because I don't mm-hmm. think he was put in a he was not put in, I, not, I don't think he was not put in a situation to succeed and that is pretty much non-negotiable for me he did not he was not put in any in a place to succeed but Agreed. I don't I think that how bad it got and where it's at now was fully in max control yes I think that if he handled last year better and if he used that momentum to go into this year with like positive momentum, I think that I don't know if we would have saw Zappy kind of for the last couple of weeks um, of the season there. I want to get to another quote uh, from Wolf that kind of is along these lines. So this was about um, he was asked about uh, uh, playmakers. Uh, we need to weaponize. We need to weaponize the offense. We need to be faster and more explosive on defense as well. So. Two things, uh, two things I want to say here, and then I want to get your take. I think the uh, first part of this quote is appeasement. I think it's fucking no shit. You need to get fucking bigger, faster, stronger on offense. Like it's no fuck. You're a fucking blind guy. Could say a blind guy who thinks football is played on the pitch could tell you that the Patriots need some fucking skill position talent. All right. So I think that is, I think that is, um, I think that's a little bit of appeasement to the fan base, which I think could be good. I think Kraft has done this the last couple of years. I think that you have to keep uh, the fan base happy. They have s- said some shit. Uh, they sent another newsletter out fucking manipulating how many home games versus away games with their fucking international games in their, in their preseason. So they're doing that shit again. So there's a little bit of propaganda there. But I think that it, this, this first part of this quote is pandering. And then the second part of the quote I fucking love. We need to get more faster and be more explosive on defense. Fuck yeah, buddy. Fuck yeah. You know what that seems to me? It seems like we're being proactive instead of reactive now. We're not we're not resting on our laurels of having a good defense while we just focus on the offense. No, no, no. You need to get younger, faster, and better at every level and every fucking skill at every position group on the team. So I think, like I said, the first part of this quote is uh, pandering. The second part of this quote, I think, is uh, super encouraging. And um, I think the second part of the quote is super encouraging. And I'm just glad that they have like a proactive attitude instead of a reactive attitude. What do you um, – did, did you hear this quote, Hogan? Uh, yeah, and I, I, I actually 100% agree with you in terms of the whole pandering stuff with the offense. I mean, that is self-explanatory. We saw what the offense was last year. It was historically bad, like obviously one of the worst of the worst that we've probably seen in the NFL. And I think at one point they were talking about like 70 or 60 years ago was that how bad it was. So everybody on the planet knows that they need a better offense. What caught me off guard, though, was his comments about the defense because the defense has been a bright spot on this team for a couple of years now, as bad as they've been. Um, but I like that he's talking about the explosiveness. Like you were saying is like, they're, they're decent and they, they've been okay, but they can always get better. And I think that's a big thing with the defense that sticks out to me is that it's time to get away from that bend, but don't break. Let's get away from bending completely. Let's dominate and kick the shit out of teams. Like we should be doing with this defense. And I think that uh, Mayo bringing in one of his guys to be DC. And I think that Mayo comes from the B flow. Hopefully, I'm just saying I think because this is what I'm hoping. But I think and I hope that Mayo is cut from the B flow cloth. Where, dude, remember that tw- not 2019 fucking defense, dude? Mm-hmm. Was it the 29? 
2018 the or 2019 defense. Yeah, the 2019 defense, 2018-19 defense. Dude, they were assassins, bro. Yep. Straight up man coverage on the outside. Blitz, fucking send five, six, seven guys every fucking time. Doesn't matter. We got four guys that can cover like a motherfucker. And I think the team is setting up to be the same way. You got Gonzalez and Jones. Put Jones in the slot. Find a journeyman for the other side or draft another big fucking another big outside corner on the other side. And then you just got to get somebody on the back end. To, if you re-sign Duggar, you got to get somebody on the back end to help him like more, be more of a free safety instead of having a strong safety. So, um, so yeah, I think they have – I think this defense has the bones to be really good. But if you augmented what they do well with, like, supplemental talent, like, get a pure pass rusher on the other side of Matt Judon. You know what I mean? Or get a pure run stuffer on the side of uh, the other side of Matt Judon and let him just go chase sacks later in his career. You know what I mean? Get a thump, get a get a get a sideline to sideline guy who can cover tight ends next to Bentley, so you can just have Bentley roll downhill. You know what I mean? So these are things that, like, like I said, they have good bones, but I think this offseason and this draft you can use to kind of augment like the, the things that the Pats do really well on defense. Absolutely. And and then speaking of that, you, you mentioned Duggar and I know, uh, I know we want to talk a little bit about, uh, some other quotes that he said, you got, you got that it, lined up for us. Yeah, no, you can, yeah. Like I, uh, let me see. What do I got this one? Um, talking about, uh, Duggar and, uh, yeah, they uh, pretty long story name? short. <laughs> the quote that I pulled out of here is I definitely, we definitely want to keep Mike and Kyle or uh, Mike and Kyle. And then uh, the beginning of that quote, he calls them. It's a convoluted quote. I, I fucking mm. suck at cutting up quotes. But long story <laughs> short, he called them core players, quote unquote yep. core players. And he said, yep. you definitely, we definitely want to keep uh, Mike and Kyle. What do you think about that, Hogan? So for me personally, Duggar, um, I'm not as high on Duggar as I, I think maybe a lot of Pats fans are. When his, first, his career first started. Agreed. Agreed. It, Agreed. Yeah. He has not improved as much as he plateaued. That that's well, it's and it's not so much I would say plateau. I I more so say that he's a very one dimensional type player for me. He uh, I I was talking to Burge yesterday before he had his little pukey pukey blow chunks episode, and <laughs> uh, we actually talked about Duggar because I I saw that this quote about him being called a core player, and I was like, honestly, if I'm speaking from the heart on how I feel about Duggar, I call him uh, a half a Rodney Harrison where he can run stop and he can hit you like a ton of fucking bricks. But when it comes to pass coverage, the dude is blinder than a bat. I mean, I've seen him get torched in the the secondary. And it's all great and all when you have that run stuffing guy that can absolutely change the momentum of a game by forcing a fumble or knock a running back out. But at the end of the day, that's not the NFL we play in anymore. The NFL is 500 yards passing, six touchdowns in the air. And if you can't defend that, you're not going to make it. So. It's, it's hard. I, just, I don't believe if it was like 2004. If it was like 20 years ago, he'd be one of the best safeties in the league. Yeah, like, he would. Uh, he 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 would be considered a Rodney Harrison, like a Brian Dawkins type guy. But he can't. You need in today's NFL, you need an Ed Reed. You don't need one of those guys that is going to stop the run. It's so as much as I appreciate Duggar, and I again as as a Pat's homer. I don't want this to be taken out of context. I appreciate him, and I like Duggar, and I wouldn't mind seeing him him. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back, but I don't see him as a core player, and I see him as replaceable in in the secondary, especially with the amount of talent that could be put out there to replace. What if him they don't players. go nuts? What if they give him like ten million a year? I you don't you don't think another team's going to be desperate enough to throw money at him because they know he's like at least a decent player? 
it's such a, it's such a especially the the, the, the I salary cap. I agree that what the, the question I'm yeah. asking might not be, I guess maybe 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 relevant to, to, to the fact that the fact that he's going to hit the open market, mm. but um, I wouldn't be upset. Let me put it that way. I wouldn't yeah, be upset yeah, okay, if yeah. if he okay. got a fair if he got a fair deal that's team friendly that keeps him around. I'm not going to be upset about it. But at the same time, I don't want us throwing stupid money at him to be like, oh my god, you have to stay. You're homegrown. You're the best of the best. It's like. I, I would have rather seen us keep like a Jacoby Myers, who I really thought was undervalued and was definitely getting better and better. And he showed what he did with the Raiders this year. Yeah. That was somebody worth spending money on. Duggar, I can't say the same about. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> if somebody throws five and 80 with like four, like 30 guaranteed at him, like have a great, have a great career, brother. Like you deserve the Bye. money. You're a, He's a consummate yep. professional. He keeps his mouth shut. He fucking tries yep. hard. He works hard. He comes on the radio show, says what he needs to. Yes, sir. No, sir. So I fuck with him in that sense. But it's, I mean, it's mm -hmm. a business. You know what I mean? Money could be spent elsewhere. Um, the other guy in that quote, I think that we probably both have a completely different opinion on. You throw the bag at Mike Onwenu. You give him however many years, however much money he wants, and you find a place to make him fit on that offensive line. I don't give a fuck if it's at guard or if it's at tackle. You keep him. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the league, dude. Yep. Yeah, he's uh he's definitely somebody that they they can't afford to just lose for for nothing. Um Trent Brown, see you later. Bye. Get the hell out of here. Don't let this oh, already jump me out. I've been Trent Brown, come on the years. pod if you have a minute, but like, <laughs> dude, fucking get the fuck out of here, bro. Yep. Yep. Bye. I'm all, I'm all set with you. Um when you on the other hand is is he's definitely one of those versatile guys that uh, he's a, a he's a bill belichick player as a first and foremost the guy could be played anywhere on the offensive line which is super rare in today's nfl um but yeah you don't want to lose him for me i'm a little biased being a former offensive line player and coach for for high school i Easy, easy Hogan. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I look at linemen as very interchangeable depending on the situation. Um, obviously, the NFL is a completely different beast from everything else. And I'm no, you know, coach in the NFL. But um, I look at it like where where Joe Tooney, when he left the Patriots, a lot of people were really upset about it. And I get it. But I always said that he was he was replaceable because he had the one position and he he was great at it, but he wasn't the game changer that was going to fix all the problems on the offensive line. Mike, on the other hand, this guy, you can plug and play him anywhere you need to put him. And that's the game changer on him. As much as I was kind of like going to be like, oh, you know, I don't we don't need him. You do need him because he's that guy that can do that for you. What why don't you just throw a bag at him and dumb? I keep saying throw back. I'm fucking 30. Stop saying that. Why don't you sign him to a market value contract that is dictated by his skill level and performance and output on the football field? And then maybe try him at left tackle. I don't know. Dude, you fucking this dude can play, like you said. I uh I have a little bit different take on the offensive line. Um I mirror your take at the guard position. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that now that the game is becoming more pass-centric and now that you have quarterbacks who might be physically gifted but don't think the game as much as possible, so you want to dumb it down. I don't want to say dumb it down, but make it more like a college kind of yep. system. 
you need a center who's like intelligent and can read coverages and can kind of set this like, kind of like the whole Kelsey and Hertz kind of yep. situation because I think they're the, the Eagles are going to be fucked without Kelsey. They're going to be oh fucked. yeah. They got to yep. find they got to find they got to they they got to figure that shit out. But mm-hmm. anyway, I think that the that. I think that interior offensive linemen, guards specifically, are replaceable. I think centers on is replaceable. I think that you – I don't think it's more about skill there. It's more about brain. I think left tackle, obviously, is a reason it's like the second highest or third highest paid position in the NFL on average. Um, and I think right tackle you can manage. Um, I think it gets – I think it could be an Achilles heel if it's an, a legit, like, problem. But I think you can manage it. But guys like on Wendy were fucking irreplaceable, dude. You can just go out and find four offensive linemen – and Mike Onwenu would just play whatever fifth position is left. Like he is un- he's unbelievable, dude. I-, I don't know if he's ever taken stabs at center, but fuck it. I don't care. Fucking Andrews Andrews goes down, fucking try him at center. I don't give a fuck. Dude, can Mike Onwenu, can you throw? Can you throw? Can you play quarterback? <laughs> that would that would that would help us out a lot more than you playing fucking right tackle, buddy. Seal anyway, seal the deal. <laughs> but that's how no, honestly, that's how I feel about Mike Onwenu. He's I- I'm higher on him than um than Duggar. I think they're kind of the opposite kinds of players. I think yeah. Duggar's a very, 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 very good at one thing, which is going downhill and tackling, which is it's it's a lost art in today's NFL, but we're realist here. We're, it's just a lost art. It's a lost art for a reason. You don't need it as much. But then you exactly. look on Wendu on, on the other side, who's, I don't want to say, he's not a standout anything. He's not crazy big. He's big. He's not crazy fast. He's agile. He's not crazy strong. He's strong. He's not the best pass blocker in the league. He's really good. He's not the best run blocker in the league. He's really good, but he's just good at everything. He's, he's perfect not a for what you need. Exactly. That's exactly what you need. And if you have to pay a little bit more to have a little bit of continuity on the offensive line, and this year we'll carry three starters over who are all above average, like that's that's also valuable too. Like this contract that you're giving on Wenu isn't just 100% for his play on the field. It also has to do with, you're going to have another new offensive line coach. You're going to have a new regime, an entire new regime on offense. So you want to, you're going to have a lot of moving pieces. So I think that you want to keep as much continuity as you can. So my um, question for you, Joe. So my yeah. question for you: Do you hit him with the franchise tag? Fuck no! You don't. You don't franchise tag. <laughs> you don't franchise tag offensive line. After all if that, not, and if they're not, come on. Well, I just, I just got done saying we're realists here, dude. My, Put just, your money legs, where your mouth is. is. I'm getting Put sold. your money where your mouth is. Pain during the fucking <laughs> during the fucking podcast, dude. I I, dude. They remember when they they was it was it Tooney that they fucking um, they franchised them the one they year franchised Tooney and it was like fucking fifteen million dollars guaranteed. It's like That's now that that price yeah. tags that price tags even more now. And the and the thing is, dude, is you could probably guarantee you could probably get on Wenu for four times forty, right? You could get him for forty years, ten million a year, guarantee. 20 million, which is what he's going to make on the franchise tag anyway. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's a way. I don't know. When they franchised that motherfucker during the Cam Newton, when they franchised, they had, bro, they were fucking bleeding. They were bleeding skill position players and they franchised the fucking guard. So, like, maybe it's a little PTSD being like, yo, I don't want to fucking franchise another fucking guard. But, like, come on, man. You got to get it. You got to, you can't, you can't let, you, you, this will be another fucking year that we're going to bring up the stat. If you got drafted by the Patriots, the last person to get a fucking second contract was Deron fucking Harmon. I think that was the first three rounds or whatever. I know when he was a little later, but with Duggar, you got to start signing some of these guys. You got to start. You got to build a base. 
You got to have continuity. If it's different guys every fucking year, you're going to fucking suck. You're going to suck. That's it. That's exactly it. And and speaking of franchise tags, we're going to use that as a nice little uh, transition here to roll right into some of the guys that are actually looking to potentially get franchise tagged this uh, this offseason. We got a nifty little uh, list going on over here. And uh, the one that jumps out to me the most that I want to talk about first and foremost is uh, Saquon Barkley over in uh, New York land. Joe, what do we got going on with Barkley uh, in, in, in doubt with uh, the whole franchise tag situation going on there? So I don't know. I'm going to start. I'm going to start with what's going on, and then I'm going to tell you how I feel about running backs. Let's do it. Um, so the Giants GM, Joe Soroshin. I think it's Soroshin. Sorokin. I, you got it better than me. <laughs> sounds like, honestly, sounds like a Jewish last name. So this is kind of blasphemy that I can't fucking pronounce this. <laughs> I'm getting a phone I won't, I won't, so. I won't tell anybody. It's okay. No. <laughs> yeah. You remember, I heard what Julie Edelman said, like Jewish, like that's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what we're working with over here. <laughs> anyway. So Giants GM said, uh, I wouldn't say the franchise tag is off the table. So everything's pointing to him not getting franchise tag. The franchise tag for the uh, for a running back is very fucking expensive. Barkley just had his first uh, just had his first like full healthy season in a while. My whole thing about running backs is it's tricky, right? I think with running backs, people say don't pick him in the first round, but I say do because you know why? When you pick somebody in the first round, you have that fifty year you have that fifty year option. So you the running back's most valuable from years like two through five. You know what I mean? So the fact that Barkley's here and he doesn't have a deal is crazy after after his like rookie deal's been up. So I think that I don't first of all, I don't know what he's asking for. If he's asking for like five and a hundred with like fifty guaranteed, I'm like, come on, dude, you're a fucking running back. But I mean like I could see, like, why can't you do like four year, four year, dude, four year deal? All the guaranteed money's due in the first two years, or all the guaranteed money's due in the first year. You know what I mean? Or, or you can do like a fifteen million dollars signing bonus, million dollars for the first year, fifteen million guaranteed for the second year, and then you can get out after no money. But he already he gets his thirty million guaranteed in two years. You know what I mean? You got to be able to work. You got to be able to work with it. You know what I mean? You can't just. I don't know. They're they're they sh- they might be going into a rebuild, so they're probably thinking like, why put a running back on? Why put a running back with injury issues on our books for like big money for that long? <clears throat> but part of me is like, dude, you fucking suck. Like you need something. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. get something done. It's Daniel Jones is getting paid, but it's not like like what other big ticket like free eight uh, big ticket money is on that team besides the quarterback? Not much. That's it. My my, my two cents really quickly that I'll just touch on for running backs is. Ezekiel Elliott, as much as I appreciated him for the Patriots, he fucked the running back market. I think he set that market back at least like 10 years with the deal that Dallas ended up giving him when he got paid the money that he did. And then the production that came after that deal. Granted, I know he got I think he got banged up a little bit after that. But at the same time, he just wasn't the same player after he got paid. And now you're seeing it just that trickle down effect with Barkley, Derrick Henry, all these guys that are not getting paid as they get older, which is mind-boggling to me because I think Saquon is still young enough that he's in the prime of his career where if he goes to the right team, he's going to be phenomenal with the right. Like, could you imagine 
Granted, he's, he's not a CMC type like Reset. Well, I was going to say he's not the same talent as CMC, but like, could you imagine Barkley on that 49ers team? Like, he would be dynamic. He would be just as dynamic. Wouldn't Jeez. maybe have the same production, but Chiefs is another one. I I really don't want to fucking see that I, as a imagine, Patriots dude. fan. I don't want to see that. That would be crazy. Yeah. That would yeah. be nuts. But uh, but rolling right into the next one that that's kind of had a Patriots like talk about for a while now. The last couple off seasons is is Higgins too, right for Cincinnati. Well, you saw he just got he got tagged. He got fucking paid, bro. That's twenty it. almost twenty two million dollars guaranteed for the 2024-25 season. And, and it was big, the big talk about him potentially coming to the Pats. I think it was what two seasons ago or last year. It was yeah. that was a big talk about the trade for him. So for I, I just I understand, I understand, but like for that much money. No, no. it's like I, it's not my fucking money. I don't fucking care. Like. <laughs> Where, like, why? All right, I'm I'm trying not to get aggravated, but like, dude, like, as a Patriots fan, this never fucking happens. Like I just fucking said, we franchise tag the fucking guard, dog. So, dude, the the Bengals are a poverty franchise. They have to walk across a busy street after they get dressed for practice to go to the field. You understand how fucking insane that is? The University of Cincinnati has the nicest football facilities. In a city with an NFL team. Are you fucking kidding me? So this fucking poverty fucking franchise, right? This poverty franchise. I'm going to spin this right around. Fuck you. Fuck you, Patriots, right right now. I still love you, but fuck you right now. <laughs> fuck you. I'll see you tomorrow. Just like the fucking Casey Affleck fucking Dunkin' Donuts get. But, like, you're telling me that the fucking Cincinnati Bengals have enough fucking cash reserves to go fucking get T. Higgins, T. Higgins $22 million in... I've been waiting here for the last fucking 20 years for the Patriots to make a big splash. Well, maybe, I don't want to say that. Maybe the last 10 years after the whole Randy Moss and Wes Welker free agency. Yeah. But, like, dude, their big splash is Hunter Henry and Matt Judon. Matt, Ju- Matt Judon, I love you. Best player on the team. But, like, really? Really? Like, the, 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 they franchise the guard and you have fucking the Bengals franchising T. Higgins at $22 million. It's just it's it's frustrating because the Patri- the Patriots are worth six million six billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's just and that's a, it, it's just that's, frustrating. It's frustrating the money. Well, that's a good. It's a, it always goes back to was that a Belichick thing or was that a Kraft thing? Which is a whole other debate for another day. We don't have to get into that now. But um, I, I'm on board with you absolutely about the the whole uh, not paying the money for for what you're getting. At the same time, though, I always look at it, too, is spending the money doesn't guarantee the success because like you touched on really quickly is like the whole that year with Mac, his first year where you had Aguilar was dog shit and you gave him a good chunk of money born. I know Burgess will call blasphemy on me if I say he's anything but, you know, above average. He's above average, but he's not a superstar wide receiver. He's not. He's a great number two if you can get a number one with him. Hunter Henry again. I put him in the same category as Bourne. Above average, not a superstar. Jonu Smith, dog shit. Worse. So it Worse. you can you can put out you can put you can dish out the money, and that's another part I guess that scares me a little bit about just to touch on the Patriots again really fast before we wrap up here is like I I I want them to spend the money, go get players, but make sure they're worth it, and don't blow your load on guys that are gonna not make you better. That's that's all I'm asking because I've seen too much crap rate lately, and I don't want to repeat of that. That's such a good point. It's like do, do like spend the money where it needs to be spent, 
Like, don't yes. don't just go buy shiny new toys. Go spend the money where you need to. Spend money on a line. Spend money on the lines. Spend money on the interior of both lines. That's spend it. money. Spend money at safety, not corner. You know what I mean? We've got corners. Like, spend money at safety. Spend money at wide receiver. Spend money on the offensive and defensive line. Like, that's where we need the money spent. You can't. Yep. There's no quarterback you're going to go spend $50 million on that's going to go make a difference. Spend that spend that $50 million everywhere else so you can try to get a quarterback that's more plug-and-play. The more you spend on your roster, the more talent you have, the easier it is to find a quarterback that gets you to a place where people want to play for you, and then you can take stabs at a quarterback from there. You know what I mean? So it's just that's it. Uh, we're going to bring it all back to the Patriots, but this whole like free agency thing is like my, 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 my shit's still my, – my, my overarching thing about building teams still stands. You either you either need to find that lottery ticket. You need to find that Patrick Mahomes. You need to find that Josh Allen. You need to find that friggin' who the hell else you can you put in that category, right? Lamar Jackson. You got to find that. You got to find that lottery ticket, right? And then you got to do whatever you can to stay under the cap and competitive, right? You 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 spread the money around. You make everybody okay. You make you don't go crazy at any position. You make everything okay, and then you leave it up to the quarterback to elevate the people around him to win games. Or you can draft a quarterback and fucking nail it. And uh, um, or no, sorry, sorry, I got my my words mixed up. Or you can spend money at every fucking skill position you want: wide receiver, tight end, and you can you can plop any fucking average quarterback in there to try to win some games. So you got to pick a route. You can't middle it. You can't do the quarterback thing and not spend money. And you can't, you can't like not have a quarterback and not spend money. Okay. Like you have to, there has to be a clear and concise way forward. In my opinion, it should be built from the inside out. That's what the Eagles did. That's what the 49ers did. They built fucking unbelievable offensive and defensive lines. And then everybody else at the skill positions, their jobs become 10 times easier. And you hit the nail on the head, and that's that's 100% it, is if you can get the linemen. The linemen, as much as nobody wants to talk about them or give them the stats or give them the time of day, uh, again, being biased because I was one and I could used to coach them, they win you the games at the end of the day. The best offensive linemen are going to win you games, and then the best defensive linemen are going to win you games. It's There's no question about it in terms of you look at what the Patriots used to be, the 20 years of dominance that we had. You could look at that, that offensive line across the board, and they were always at least either pro bowlers or all pros across the board. It was no yeah. question about it. Defensive line, it was the same way. You got Richard Seymour, who's in the Hall of Fame now. You got Vince Wilfork. You had Big Teddy Washington. There were so many guys that you could just go across the board and name, and then they were able to put in other guys there and be successful in drafts on top of that. Like you talked about, just building off of it. Chandler Jones came in immediately, was a beast at defensive end. They had the one year with uh, Chris Long who came in and helped him win the Super Bowl against Atlanta. Mm. It's always – and then on top of that, Through too, the, the linemen. That's it. That's it. Like I, It's the linemen, as much as nobody wants to give them us credit, us, us fatties, we love it. We don't get credit, but we win you football games. So build them up. Build them up there. Everything else will take care of itself at that point and fucking let it rock. Let it rock. Couldn't agree more, buddy. Well – I want to be the first to say this was fucking awesome. This was I don't know. Awesome. We might need to get a room and like not give Burj the key, but this is this this was unbelievable. I felt at home. We we uh we didn't have Burj or Kojak tonight. I mean, we're just a two team awesome man party right here. Let's let's keep it rocking. I can't believe they just <laughs> threw up the keys and go like go make a podcast. 
It came out I, honestly. I was I was like I was in the group before, and I was like, "Yo, we gotta figure out some shit to talk about." And then we get out, we kick off the podcast. I look up, we're like twenty minutes in, and we haven't talked a shit about football. I'm like, "Oh fuck, we gotta fucking dad's fucking birds. Dad's gonna be fucking mad at us. We gotta start talking football and shit." Uh, anyways, boys, we fucking miss you, Kojak Bears. Can't wait till you're back on the pod. Uh, Kojak fucking coming in from the clouds, saying some shit. Bears batting us around, getting everybody fired up. Hogan lighting the match under him, getting him fired up. We miss that shit. We miss you guys. We'll be back soon. Um, so everybody who's still listening, everybody loves a good tease. Every man, every man loves a good tease. Ooh, give me a tease. Give me a tease, Joe. What do you got for me? We got our first legit fucking guest coming next week. <laughs> legit, legit. Not blue check mark because he's he's a rider. He's a lot rider like the boys, but we're talking five figure follower count, like legitimate news reporter, like has written things that are published in publications that are paid for by patrons and read because their opinions are valued. Um, he's from he's he's part of uh, he's part of a arch nemesis's network, but uh, we love him nonetheless. So uh, we will be releasing some some sneak peeks and whatnot throughout the week, but you will see that come out uh, the week after this podcast comes out. So we'll be meeting up with him next week, but uh, we're, we're all fucking pumped. We're all like, yeah, just fucking schedule it. We'll fucking make it work. One of those situations. Um, hopefully this will be the first of many. Hopefully it'll open us up to a bunch of stuff. So um, other than that, I want to thank everybody. Whoever's holding on this long in the podcast. I want to thank you, Hogan. I want to thank you, brother. I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for being my uh, sidekick here today. The two boys uh, hold the two final boys holding it down. So um, for for the BTP boys, Hogan, Joe Sher, signing off for episode twenty. We love you guys. Oh wait, hold on. As always, oh, oh. brought to you by Primetime Productions. You can find them on Twitter at Primetime Pods. You can follow. I don't know what the fuck it's called. We'll probably put it at the beginning, but it's called the Primetime Parlay or primetime bets or something. I'm the worst with all that stuff. I can't remember. I can't I can't remember what I had for fucking breakfast. You think I'm going to remember that Twitter handle? But anyway, check them out. We're doing daily gambling content. If you like the nonsense that I spout, I'm on there every Thursdays now uh, giving out some NBA bets this time of year. Uh, I went 3 and 1, so a little 75%, a little 750 winning percentage of my first uh, on my first uh, appearance on there. So hopefully we'll get the other boys, Hogan, Bears, Kojak, hopefully we'll get them on the gambling show coming soon. But we appreciate you guys sticking with us. It's Joe Sherry. This is Hogan from the BTP uh, Podcast signing off. Love you guys. Peace.